0: Hi, and welcome to the Black Dog cast. I'm your host Alex Palmer. You may be wondering what this Black Dog thing is all about, so let me take a few minutes to explain. It all started a few years back in London. Out riding bikes with some mates, we got talking, realised most of us were dealing with some sort of mental health challenge. Being out on the bike was a great place to talk it out and get things off our chest. And for some of us, this was the first step to really working through our issues and getting help. So we created Black Dog with a really simple aim, to use cycling to get more men talking about this. In this first episode, I'm joined by a very good friend of mine who was really the instigator of the Black Dog project back in 2017. He's chosen to remain anonymous which is great as it allows him to be really open and honest in sharing his experiences of getting to grips with bipolar. But at the same time, it still shows the stigma around talking about this that we've all got to work harder to break down. Anyway, let's get to the podcast and find out more about his story. So I guess the first place to start is, I mean, it, this was like 2017. Do you remember like the summer of 2017, which is a fucking long time ago. And we were both going through some some stuff and we were, like, hanging out, riding bikes, talking about the the sort of mental health issues that we had, and that's really where the idea for this came from, and it was kind of your idea, and it was just as simple as putting some stickers on bikes to say, you know, I ride the black dog to give people just a little sign that you're, you know, you're going through some stuff and maybe you're open to talking about it, or maybe you're not going through some stuff and you're still open to talking about it. So do you want to just... I don't know, just explain a little bit about what got you there and why we were having those sorts of conversations in the first place.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it was, um, it was an idea that just came to me when having you know, we'd cycled together. I'd cycled with other friends, and one day I was sort of brave enough to say, oh, shit, it's not, it's not going well today. And he said, what's, what's up? And we started talking about it, and he said, well, yeah, that's, I'm there, and this is going on in my life. And I thought, my God. I went out with my cycling club like a week later. And I think I mentioned to somebody, yeah, they said, oh, wh- how are you and whatever. And I think I said a similar sort of thing. And I got, you know, the sort of stock response, which is, oh, well, cheer up, or it's a nice day, right. or all that. And I'm like, wow, hang on, these people are not... I think the right word's really uh, it's initiated. These people are not really... Initiated, and I wasn't before this happened. So I just thought, you know, if we can have enough people out there who are conscious that, uh, yeah, they're ready to talk and want to talk or help or listen, and that we were doing it in. I think you and I spoke, didn't we? Thought, so, hang on, this is really good because there's a lot of guys cycling. There's a lot of guys cycling in their forties. It's not exclusive to people in their forties, but my experience is there's a lot of us in our forties who are who are heading hitting difficult times and uh, yeah so it's just um hitting hitting a lot of buttons quite quickly um with a very simple and straightforward um concept yeah there was also i remember we
0: talked about it at the beginning there's also an element with cycling where it's actually quite a good environment to talk to people about this because you're not you're not sitting face to face right you're not you're not like face on with people you're riding along alongside somebody and I think that's a very. It, it's maybe an easier environment to have a chat about some difficult things because you don't have to like front up to somebody like, like face to face and have that conversation. Um, but it's definitely right. Like I've had similar experience to you in that when I decided to be a bit more open and talk about this stuff, half the people I talked to were like, "Yeah, me too, me too, me too," and it's it's the fucking epidemic with guys in their, you know, mid thirties onwards. Which you know we can talk about why and a bit later, but um,
1: yeah, carry on. Yeah, so I mean that was, that was really it for me, and it was what hit me more was that having had the idea and um, thinking, well, could that work? Was just the uh, the number of times I got responses from people which were, oh, cheer up, you know, <laughs> it could be worse, and that sort of thing. And you think to yourself, actually, it would be good if there was a much much wider. Recognition of, you know, whatever issues it is, mental health issues, it is, they're not always obvious. And, you know, it could be you. Yeah. It's a very British response, so, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I've had some very slam dunk responses of, uh, in fact, I'll, I'll say that it was one of my best friends who actually I haven't seen for a fair amount of time. And uh, he said, how are you doing? And, uh, I'm not like this all day, all day, every day, but I said to him, I'm just having a bit of a bad day, you know, a a down, a down day. And he just went, huh, down day, (laughs) (laughs) laughed and carried on. And I'm like, I I don't judge that at all. I'm just like, well, a year ago or however many weeks ago, I had no idea, you know, I might as well have said the same thing. So, um, you know, I think there's a further conversation to be had before just having an immediate community is having more awareness out there. Yeah, Um, And and so it doesn't, I don't know what it was like for you, but when this hit and it sort of built, 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 and then it hit, but when it hit, I was like, what is going on? I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. I want to talk about that in more detail.
0: I think for me, it was I probably had an easier time than you did, because first of all, my, let's call it condition is not as serious as yours. And we can talk about the difference between, you know, bipolar one and bipolar two. And then I think that I was working for myself. So I didn't have any, there was no issues with, you know, being open about this with an employer. I think I have a, you know, a wife who's very in touch with this sort of thing and not to use like a cliched American sort of West coast mentality, but, you know, she's explored a lot of different kind of things that we might think are a bit woo woo. Right. But that, (laughs) that kind of, that kind of made it easier. But let's, let's get into sort of like at some point you had a diagnosis, right? And what, you know, what kind of led up to that and how did you deal with that diagnosis (laughs) and you know, did, did that help when somebody put a label on it and said you got Whoa. this
1: <laughs> oh man that is uh, If the one thing that i can do it, it, you know by talking to anyone about this is to help with this particular like transition from being yeah i'm fine i drink coffee i drink wine i see my mates I go cycling i go to work i've got my family I've got my friends yeah everything's fine to I'm a bit stressed, I've got a lot on, to something which you don't quite understand and recognise. And I got to that point, and then one night it's just like, boom, I just like imploded, couldn't cope. Uh, my wife said, you know, she, she, this has been coming for a while, I think, and she's already wearing quite a bit of it. You know, she's like, right, we're getting you into the doctor. So at this point I'd only you know, I'd spoken to some therapists and whatever, but for counselling. So the doctor takes me and she asked me, I can't remember what the name of it's called, like pH something, nine questions. You do, you do these, I think it's nine questions. And depending on what you answer, you accumulate a score. And then the score that you accumulate says how, whether you're on no depression, moderate depression or severe depression. So I'd never met this doctor before in my life. And she scored me and she said, right, depression, do you want some antidepressants? And I said to her, well, I want anything that you can give me to make this go away. And that was it. I was like, solve this problem for me. Give me medication. I hadn't researched it. I didn't know anything about it. So I know that these things are based antidepressants. Let's have some. So that was it. That was day one. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I could happily talk more about antidepressants. People have different experiences, right? But um, yeah. that, for me, it was that was the thing, you know, going from... The unmedicated, not well, to the medicated, not well, um, was a big, big, big shift for me. And I guess for some people, it's, you know, not such a big shift. I think in my
0: experience, it depends largely on how lucky you are to find a medication that works, right? Well, or going back, like backing up a bit. I think your experience is is very typical. You rock up to a doctor or a psychiatrist, you know, you, you figure out you're depressed, and they prescribe you some meds, and that's it, right? Whereas yeah. my experience over here, and after, you know, I've, I've talked to you about this, I wrote a blog post about this. I think I lucked out with finding a practitioner here in Ashland that. We spent, I don't know, 18 months, maybe even two years working together before she even prescribed a med, worked on you know, a whole bunch of vitamin stuff, lifestyle things. She did this DNA test which profiles how you would react to these psychiatric drugs before you even take them. And that thing is a fucking game changer. And everyone I talk to about it has never heard of it because it shortcuts that whole experimentation of just you walking into the doctor, them prescribing you probably an SSRI antidepressant. And in my case, if, if I'd done that, so that drug was, had, a, had a cross in the box, not only would it not work, it could have an adverse effect. I mean, it's ridiculous.
1: But anyway. <laughs> well, there, there, there you go. And For me, I mean, I can, I'd like to talk a little bit about coming off of that antidepressant um, at some point. But for me, my diagnosis, I don't know if I'm going ahead of us here, my diagnosis developed... I found myself sort of cycling in mood, excuse the pun. And um, yeah, my mood would be high. I'd be spending, I'd be whatever, drinking a load of wine, putting the music on loud. And then the depression would come and that would happen once, twice a week. And so, yeah, inevitably at this point, I went and paid paid a psychiatrist. And he's like, yeah, from everything you've shown me and the mood tracking you showed me, yeah, um, I'd say you have, uh, you have bipolar. And he said, um, you're on an antidepressant, aren't you? I said, yeah. He said, well, that's going to be potentially exacerbating. Mm-hmm. And I said, to, I said to him, okay, 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 okay. How, you know, if, you, if you've got a leg missing, you know you've got a leg missing, right? But I said to him, how confident are you? And my wife's there as well. How, how confident are you that I've got bipolar? And he said, "I would not be prescribing for you if I wasn't 100% confident that you fit the criteria for bipolar." <sighs> wow. Okay. And now I'm reading about it. You know, when you get when 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 you're at this point, you're reading about it. So, um, yeah. So the initial diagnosis with the GP potentially an error. The initial drug. Potentially, like you would have found, potentially wrong and exacerbating the problem. And it was at this point that I found a, a charity in the UK here called Bipolar UK. Absolutely amazing support information. Call line, help you just phone up and talk to, talk to people about it. <laughs> like, so yeah, that's what happens to everybody. Everybody goes through that process. And if they're lucky, they catch the bipolar diagnosis in time, and then there's stuff we can do. yeah, I guess on the one
0: hand, it's shocking, but also I'm not surprised that your GP missed the diagnosis and was just like, "Oh, you've got depression, here's an antidepressant without even digging into it anymore, or without i don't know would there would there not have been a, a would she not have referred you to somebody else or it's a big thing to miss, isn't
1: it it is. One of them is easily easily medicated mm-hmm. without particularly much in the way of side effects necessarily, the SSRI. Off you go, have an SSRI. And the other is far more difficult to manage, which is bipolar. And I think, I don't know exactly what the reasons are, but it's very, very common to have that diagnosis development. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are other conditions that can come on not that you get, but that you found that you were susceptible to or had, that when you're on a bipolar medication, then you find, right, okay, this medication is actually working, I think. And, oh, right, now that I've got some clarity, there's some other stuff going on as well. And you slowly find your way through it. You get solutions. And hopefully things get better. (laughs) And, And they have got better. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel now, what's it, four years on? Mm-hmm. I feel far more worldly, I mean, I feel like you know that knotty piece of oak that is a really interesting looking piece of wood, and you think, Wow, that's beautiful, that's you know, and you've got a brand new piece of wood that's fresh out the sawmill, you know they're both nice pieces of wood, one of them's more interesting and it's 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 seen more of the world, and that's what I feel like out the back of this, far more to- far far, far more tolerant of everything that I come across. And I still have very high expectations myself, but um I see a much bigger range. I don't just see success or failure. So yeah, when you come up against it and you got knocked down and it's not necessarily something you were expecting, then um yeah, it teaches you a few lessons.
0: Okay. In those four years then, what sort of things have you done? What's worked, what hasn't worked, what what do you think's been
1: made the biggest impact in that in that time? <sighs> I think, well, there's been a few things. So in terms of lifestyle, it has been regular exercise and regular work. So I had a period with, didn't totally coincide, but I had a period without employment, which I chose. I'd done really well, chose to have the time. And, um, you know, I think that regular gainful employment, I think that regular exercise, particularly if you can do it in a group, are two of the main things. And in terms of the psychological side of things, for me, it's very much about not being too plugged into what other people think. And so what that means is you have to have your own set of values and direction. You don't have to be selfish. You just have to know that you can deal with whatever comes up, whatever anyone says to you. It's like, well, that's about them. It's not about me life becomes a lot easier at that point. And I think that was probably one of the biggest changes for me, that uh, I stopped worrying what everyone else was thinking about and started listening to them. <laughs> Does that sound funny?
0: No, not really. I mean, it's, it, it makes total sense, and it, I think it plays into a lot of... Um... Oh, Rowan did a podcast with a guy, I can't remember what he called it, but this syndrome of, of, you know, everyone comparing themselves to one another and trying to live up to these expectations that society places on us. And especially... You know, I'm not saying this is like a middle class problem by any means, but if we look at our our peers and our contemporaries, you know, most people come from like nice middle class families. They do well at school. They go off to university. They come out of that. They go straight into a job. They're on the ladder. Maybe they're doing a sport pretty seriously. And that all keeps, you know, you keep going up and up and up and up. And then I think part of what causes a lot of these problems is all of a sudden that starts to flatten out, you know, like mid thirties, forties people are dealing with more you know maybe more like existential questions about do I really want to be doing this job or pursuing this like high-flying career they're dealing with maybe some marriage difficulties their parents are getting old and then boom it's like all of this shit just hits you
1: and nobody knows how to deal with it yeah and I think that would be I'm not going to say that would be okay Mm. because that's not okay but that would be okay if everything changes all at once or in a very short period of time. That would be okay. But if you find yourself measuring yourself externally on extrinsic measures and taking your motivation from extrinsic factors...
0: Extrinsic being like, you know, the house you live in and the car you drive and where you go on holiday and all that shit.
1: How? Yeah, well, more, almost... How you perceive other people perceive you. So if I walk around spending my whole time thinking, you know, how this person perceives me is really important to me, well, that's great. But if you change it to, well, this person's got an opinion and that's fine, but we can just carry on and relate. I don't have to worry about what their opinion is. And it's not being, it's not being selfish, but it's that when all the scaffolding kind of gets peeled away as you've as you've described those situations as the scaffolding gets peeled away and taken down around you you know all that's left is you and you have to figure out what it is that you are what you're going to be how you're going to get there and you know what you want and therefore once you know what you want you can go like right well these are the things i need in my life and you can move from there but uh, if you're just sort of i mean at the very end of me getting to the point of being in with the doctor, I mean, I was almost pulling on people's coattails for for reassurance and you know I might might must have been quite quite a demanding process anyway, that for me has been the biggest change
0: so in order to make that change did you did you have to work through that with like a therapist or did you just figure that out for yourself?
1: I certainly did not figure it out for myself, I certainly didn't figure it out with a therapist you know, the various sort of therapists or recommended therapists or hadn't really helped. What has helped is basically a men's group, which, there you go, a men's group, not on bikes, but, um, you know, they're, they're set up to be able to basically knock down this notion that, yeah, you need to care what other people are thinking about and, ha- and skew on it and have that going around in your head haywire and you can be more deliberate. You can be more intent. You can care more. You can listen more. And you come from a place of confidence, a place of, you know, solidity. That for me has been the biggest thing. And yeah, there are coach, there are coaches involved in this. It's an, it's an, um, it's, an it's an approach, but most of it is around guys who are struggling in the position that they're in being able to talk.
0: Yeah. Okay how and where did you find that group because i think this is you know you can read a lot and there's there's podcasts and stuff i listen to and there are organizations mm. that that do this sort of you know various men's group or retreats or this sort of thing i think first of all a lot of people don't know about it second of all they maybe think there's a stigma of oh you're going to a men's group and you're going to sit around and talk about your feelings and i forget what point three was there was a there was a third point. But, um <laughs> how, how did how did you find this in the first place
1: I think it was, the relationship was a relationship that was difficult, was the thing at the time. And I think I YouTubed and I think I found this video and then there were other ones and I just YouTubed the shit out of it. So the good thing about it is that it's readily accessible. You know, there's different platforms, etc. cetera. It's potentially very expensive the way I'm doing it. So yeah, it's a real commitment. And so I think that barrier to, to doing it doesn't make you any more committed to it, does it? But the barrier to doing it, I think, is a problem. They don't focus on mental health, but the outcome is that you will have better, better mental health. But uh, yeah, I mean, if the stereotypical person who's in this phase of their life is out and they've bought a bike and they're out, or, or you know, they should be talking. They shouldn't have to go on. Go home, get out there computer and get on youtube they should be able to speak to speak to a stranger a friend of a friend whatever for free
0: yeah what are you are you comfortable sharing like that men's group is it a particular organization or are you comfortable sharing who it is or do you you want to keep yeah yeah yeah.
1: they're called um it's called um good guys great men which is properly cheese properly (laughs) cheesy title (laughs) and they are uh i mean it's colorado and uk right so it's mostly Ameri- mostly americans yeah there's a similar one over here which which i've
0: uh, i listened to a podcast about the other day called the mankind project mkp which i'm you know okay. i'm naturally curious about the stuff i haven't got to the point where i've you know maybe i mean covid's not the time to do this but at some point i might investigate it because it looks it looks interesting and useful and, and much needed right
1: yeah. Yeah. And it was really, there was a lot of, there's a lot of reading. So I ended up with audiobooks in the car and, um, okay. Almost, almost brainwashing, but brainwashing sort of implies something bad, right? Brainwashing out the stuff that wasn't helping and, um, helping just have that message on the, in the back of your mind. Next time a situation comes up, Right, oh, my reaction's going to be different. Well, actually, no, it's not different, is it? I still fucked it up. Okay, right. Next time it's going to be different. Next time it's not perfect. Okay, that's cool. Give yourself a pat on the back. Next time it comes up, next time I've done it right. And I can see the response. And I'm not looking for the response. I'm not seeking a positive response in someone else or in myself. I'm just like, right, well... This is where I want to be because it's obviously the easier path in life. And yeah, I'm achieving it. And it takes two or three attempts. And that's, that's, that's still the painful bit. That's got me out of depression. And no amount of, no amount of therapy or drugs has done that. That's, well,
0: that's great. That's good to hear. I mean, my, you know, i think my experience has been a little bit different in that i lucked out on a drug that worked straight away within two weeks and that's been a game changer in in sort of elevating not so much elevating my mood but just making me way more productive and able to get shit done and then and then you feel better as a result i've had you know i haven't had a uh, what i would call a a very helpful therapy experience and I've probably been Mm. through three or four or five and you just get the, the trouble is therapy can can very quickly just get to the point where you're just having a chat with somebody once a week and I think I think partly it's the therapists that are to blame especially here in the United States where it's all private medical care like they're onto an easy, they're onto a winner, right? You, you rock up once a week, you have a chat, you keep coming back. And it's, it's just, I found it to just to be very surface level. And I need somebody to literally hold me account and be like, okay, here's the work you got to do, right? Here's some tools, here's some stuff, go away, do this shit, come back next week. And if you haven't done it, then there's some accountability there. And I probably just haven't found the right therapist, but yeah, I think it's a common, you know, it's a common issue.
1: I found there's very little do there's a lot of talking about the past and what's happened this week you know question one so how are you yeah and it's like an hour later you come out and maybe you've maybe you've launched a boil or you've de-stressed a little bit or you've learned maybe you've learned something but I certainly never felt that I was going away with a set of exercises to do or a specific task to do and that's what I've had with this latest approach so um one thing I did want to talk about, sorry, going back, um, was the antidepressant. Mm-hmm. Because it's obvious that we've had a different experience. And if you ask 10 people, they'll have 10 different experiences. But the only thing that will be in common is that they never expected this to happen, right? And they're not enjoying it. <laughs> but for me, the the antidepressant experience, I've talked about how I got onto it. I was desperate for something. Potentially it aggravated what I was really struggling with but at the end of the day when it came to the subsequent medication for bipolar working when i came off the antidepressant the advice was to taper off over four to six weeks so i'm like yeah well shit yeah i'm feeling good i'm coming out i'm coming off in four no problem and even that was like holding me back the next time so wife and i are in with the psychiatrist private psychiatrist yeah he's been acting up a bit he's uh, relapsed and um it's not going well. And I'm there going like, yeah, it's not going well. And he slid a piece of paper across the desk and he said, right, here's the latest research from this week, which says that you should not come off SSRIs in four to six weeks. It should be six months. And that wow. you can have serious, serious side effects and issues, um, suicidality, etc. if you come off of them too quick. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know because the roughest patch I had was having come off of them. I don't know how they affected me. But I would just say to anybody who's looking at medication, be prepared for it to work. Be prepared for it not to work because you have side effects. But also be prepared for there to be subtle changes that you don't feel bad, but actually uh, your life changes a bit. And it could take months to go one way or the next. So. If there's anything else you can do when your GP or whoever it is you're speaking to says, have you tried X lifestyle change? Do it first. If you you can, if you can, and if you have, and it hasn't worked, then, then yeah, medication, but do it last. I think. I mean,
0: the the other important. Your story is different. Yeah. The other important point with medication, which is definitely relevant to my situation right now is that it's, Really you should only use it to kind of lift yourself out of the hole so you can then go and do the work, right? And the medication's not gonna is is not the the sort of silver bullet or golden, whatever you want to call it. It's not gonna solve all your problems. You just have to use it to get you to a point where you can go
1: and pursue these other things that are likely to be more effective long term. There was a radio interview the other day about a guy who'd just turned eighteen, so he'd just turned adult and his mother's like, Finally we've got him an appointment. But she's not allowed to be there because he's turned 18. And, um, you know, he was, was, yeah, she said, Oh, he, he got a diagnosis of bipolar and the interviewer cut across the mother and said, So did he get medication? And I was just like, I was just listening to this thinking to myself, that's a little bit of it, isn't it? That's the sort of uneducated response of medication is what you do when you find what your diagnosis is. And for as far as I can tell, the majority of mental health issues, uh, medication can help. It can help you get out of a hole. It can also make it worse, but um, you know, it is another stigma. It is another stigma and stereotype. Sorry, what were you going to say? No,
0: I was just going to ask because obviously, through this process, I've learned an awful lot, right? And I think anybody that goes through this, you know, you you work with different practitioners, you read a lot, you you just you just learn an awful lot about what's behind these conditions. In my case, I'm talking about bipolar two, which is a milder form of bipolar. I don't get, I don't enjoy the highs that you have. (laughs) I just get a regular low, which is not as severe. So it's milder. And as I worked with this particular practitioner here, I learned an awful lot about brain chemistry. And I learned a lot about different neurotransmitters and how these. impact and ultimately how they cause depression. And what she explained it to me, it's like most people have, you know, there's something like serotonin, which makes you happy. Most people, it's like a four lane highway, right? Of these neurotransmitters going going to your brain. And she said, for you, it's like a two lane highway. Right. So it's 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 kind of constrained. And I think that, you know, that brings up the question of is this is this just something you have and it's just part of your brain chemistry and it's almost a physical ailment and clearly there are behavioral environmental things which make it worse or maybe trigger it if you look back on you know your life pre this happening are there things that you can look back on and be like oh yeah that was kind of that was an early sign of this. Or so do, do you think in your case, do you see the brain chemistry part of it going back?
1: Oh, yeah. That's, it's it's that's so interesting. But, you know, it's nature and nurture, isn't it? How much of it is in you and how much of it is learnt? And I look back and I think about the behaviours, yeah, the cyclicality, the, the highs. Yeah, and I've achieved a hell of a lot in those times. And... You know, it, it was never out of, it was never out of hand. It was never you know, I wasn't I wasn't gambling, but I was they opened a bike shop at the bottom of my road, right? High performance road bike shop at the bottom of my road. And they put a pair of lightweight wheels in the window one day. And I had to walk past this shop on my commute on my way to work. And I lasted about I don't know, not very long. But, you know, it doesn't take much to trigger a sort of um a high, a bit of a mania going on, um, and I think that's probably probably been there. You, you did, been there for a while. You did, you did have a lot of toys back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one or two. <laughs> <laughs> you could buy. I think you could. You could buy. You could certainly buy performance, couldn't you? <sighs> yeah, I think, I think um, one of the other things I wanted to mention, which is not the not the nurture and the nature. Because I th- do think there's something definitely in what you say about you know maybe he's born with it. is there are other things there's our society etc. You know I bought Sunday Times today and I, I felt like I had to buy a Ferrari to be you know normal. You just read, you just don't look at that stuff. So that's an extreme example, but for me, I have I stopped drinking alcohol and I don't know if it made my life any better or not. Certainly quite awkward not drinking alcohol. And I certainly like alcohol, but I stopped drinking. But after a period of alcohol, I hit a, uh, I had a really bad day one day. I thought, sod it. I'm going to have a bottle of wine. So I got a nice bottle of wine. And yeah, the problem went away. Straight away, instantly, the problem went away, and I enjoyed the bottle of wine. And I woke up next morning, about 10 o'clock, the problem came right back. Exactly the same problem. Exactly the same sort of severity. And at the time, I had a bit of a headache as well. So it really did nothing for me. And it just taught me a lesson. You know, what I had been doing with alcohol previously had been masking a lot of what had been going on. And similarly, coffee and even decaf coffee. So I don't know what's in the coffee, but even decaf coffee now will alter my mood.
0: Yeah, I've, I've, got, I've, I've had some experience with that. And this is a different practitioner in Ashland a sort of holistic trainer again it's quite woo woo (laughs) and um I I worked with him for a bit we you know we dialed into some sort of more lifestyle wasn't it wasn't like um counseling or anything and he turned around to me one day he's like you need to stop drinking coffee it messes with your adrenals and I'd read up a little bit about adrenals and what you know how they affect you your your body and literally I just needed somebody to tell me there might be a link between coffee and your mood and i stopped like that and i was able to stop because i started drinking much of tea instead um yeah. since this this is probably i don't know 18 months, two years ago, and I was comfortably off coffee for a long, long time. It's funny, in the last couple of weeks, I started reintroducing it. And it's amazing how quickly you get into the the, the habit of having a coffee every day. And I think mm-hmm. I got to the point where uh, literally just one Americano every day, and I think it's affecting my sleep. And so now I'm like, no, I got to go back to to not drinking coffee and just drinking my matcha instead. But
1: Yeah, which sounds like... You know, if an average man on the street and you said to them, right, well, I don't drink and I don't drink coffee, they'd be like, oh my God. And you say, well, yeah, but once, until you've seen how severe it can be, you know, having your life affected and how you feel affected, and you don't feel in control of that, and you don't just wake up in the same mood every day, then, um, you know, it's going to seem like a strange thing to do, but... I don't know what I don't know what the statistics are, but um, I do know that going out for a bike ride and talking to people, the statistics seem to be pretty uh, skewed in favour of um, there being experienced or people who want to talk or need to talk.
0: Yeah, I, I I heard something again. This is on another on another podcast about how to approach that that sort of initiating that conversation and needing to sort of put it out there in a very Subtle way to begin with, not mm. not to like front up with somebody You're like, "Hey, I've had some mental health issues." Uh, ha, do you? Do you want to talk about it? But you got to be way more subtle and just sort of almost nonchalantly sort of say that you might have gone through something and that you're just so people get the impression that they can talk to you if they want to when they're ready,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, for me, for me, a lot of the experience has been the has been the other way around and people are more more than happy because you're out doing something in common you're out riding you're knocking spots off each other sometimes even though it's a club ride right and um yeah you kind of get a sense you kind of get a feeling for you know this has been going on for a while for me and you get a feeling for who just doesn't give a monkeys how you feel and what you've been through and i have friends like that and i still ride with them you know it's not that's not an issue But then you'll get people who you didn't expect, you know, the the, the gorilla on the bike who's muscling the bike and bending the bars. You know, there's a reason he's out there (laughs) and he'll tell you about it and you can talk about it. All of a sudden, that haywire and spaghetti brain that you've bought out on the bike ride is is gone pretty quickly. And I think that's the key thing. And I think, you know, if there aren't outlets like that, people suffer. That's a good outlet.
0: Do you find that you know? Because I guess you and I both pursued some sport to a pretty high competitive level. You noticeably higher. How, how how do you think that world of like competitive sport plays into this, and does it actually make it worse?
1: Oh, um that's a good question, and I don't really have the answer because it's another uh, potentially it's another way issues can be masked by having the routine having the program, having the competition, you know, we used to have a a regular calendar, didn't you? You knew what was happening each week. Mm -hmm. You knew when the training was happening. You knew when the camps were, when the big big events were. And you're like, yeah, well, life's kind of mapped out. And again, I use the word scaffolding when bits of scaffolding are removed. And maybe you go, well, I can't do that anymore because I've got a family and I've moved to somewhere else because the schools are better. And I've changed my job because, and then all of a sudden you find yourself without that scaffolding. So what happens to an elite sports person or a high level sports person when they stop doing the sport and the competition and the framework and the scaffolding that goes around it? Yeah. It uh, wouldn't surprise me if people needed help. I mean, looking back on it. Yeah, you're absolutely right.
0: You're, you're kind of, you have this structure, you have this community. It's easy. It just, you just kind of bowl along and you've, you you do not need to think about a lot of things. And then, when you stop, it's there's definitely a void that that you got to figure out how to
1: how to fill or to deal with, right? Yeah, you can, I mean the friendships are still there if you're lucky, if you're lucky, not if you're lucky, but you know hopefully the friendships are still there, and um, you know you still go back and do the old you know bits and pieces of it. So, but for me, yeah, I'm a little bit black and white. I find myself up and down. I'm like, right, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm doing this. Boom, and that uh, yeah, that's that's, that's not been that educated, and people would say, well, of course it's not, but you couldn't tell you couldn't tell me that at the time. I'm like, and that's happened repeatedly. So yeah, when when you ask, has it been there? Has it always been there? Has there been something in you? Yeah, absolutely, what, totally, totally, what, totally.
0: What do you think? Okay, on that on that note, then what? Knowing what you know now, and you're saying yeah. that it was always kind of there in some capacity. What? <laughs> What would you have done differently or what do you wish you would have known,
1: you know, in your teens or 20s? Um, I, well, I came very late to doing decent level sport. I sort of did enjoyable sport. I hated the whole rugby, cricket, hockey, all that thing. Never played football. So ended up doing sport at university, did well at it and then carried it on. Most people didn't carry it on, but I carried it on and then moved into, stopped doing that and moved into another sport. But The issue for me was that we we ended up moving for various reasons and then the availability of club sport basically evaporated and I hadn't realized I hadn't realized how difficult it would be with family life with jobs etc to add an amount of time to what it took to do a sport so previously it had just been doorstep go then it had been family, a bit less sport, but it's still on the doorstep. And when it became family and it's actually harder to go and do the sport or it's not even there, then, um, yeah, I really missed it. I tried to go back. I tried to go back and do, but it was too far away and the timings didn't work. I was the only person. I'm sounding like I'm having a winch, but you try these things. You You try to make it work. But, you know, I've recently gone back to the sport that I actually did do as a kid and enjoyed. And lo and behold, there's a club, there's a bunch of people, there's competitive racing, which I thrive on, there's kit, which as you've mentioned, I'm quite into. And um, it's a good scene and it's not too far away. Um, every Sunday, you know, I'm out doing that. But um, of course, I think COVID makes the, um, the social interaction far, far harder and impossible at the moment here. So, yeah. Sorry, what was your question? <laughs> I was at
0: well no, I was actually um referring to the you know, the mental health issues. Like if you right. realising that it had been there for a while before you got to the stage of doing something about it and now knowing what you do know, w- what sort of things right. you know I don't want to say what you done differently, because then that gets into you know beating yourself up no. about it.
1: But but Well what, I'll you tell know, you I'll be to- I'll be totally frank. Until I got, I didn't get run over by a bus, but until I got run over by the bus of this happening, and until I got right, 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 right to the very bottom, it didn't occur to me that what I was doing was an issue, or not abnormal, but unusual. I knew it was a bit different. And so having had that realization, so, you know, it's part of the value of this process is that you learn a lot more about yourself. So, having had that realization, I don't judge myself going backwards. I'm like, "Oh, okay. Would I've done anything different? No, because I didn't know anything different." If somebody had come in and told me, "You need to be more consistent," I'd have been like, "Well, I turned up in January, and by whenever I was in the team, <laughs> you know, it's like, did I really need to be more consistent? You know, it, diff- people are, people are different, and I think you, one day you wake up to, to what's been going on." I think, that's, I think that's great. Is there a lesson to be learned or would I have done anything different? No, maybe, I'm just glad. Maybe success kind of um, masks some of those
0: issues, right? And it could be success in a sporting environment or in a job environment. And instead of, you know, if you do have an issue or uh, you're inconsistent or you have a few bad days or whatever, you kind of get away with it because
1: you're good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't just carry on hard at it until you keel over. But, you know, there's a reason why people sort of retire from, from work and struggle. And if you have life changes, such life changes earlier in your life, not work, you know, family, sport, whatever it is. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, these things happen, especially when, you know, the expectations are for such a sort of linear progression in your life. And you may be in different countries and different continents from your family and your, and your friends. You know, it can be really, it can be tough, but I think I almost had a moment just then when we were talking that I'm glad, I'm glad this has happened. Yeah. As as painful as it's been, it's been extremely painful. And you know there have been. I've been picked up off the ground from my bike by a friend, and walked home and put back together. You know, and it's been worse. You know, as bad as that's been, eventually when the key sort of started turning and started, it's, things started working. Um, I look back and I think, yeah, <laughs> that was the problem. And yeah, no, I, t- look, I, I totally agree
0: with you. And it's it's good to like end this on a on a positive note because. I've, yeah, I've 100 percent had the same experience, like just going through things like this and seeking out all, all sorts of different, you know, whether it's therapies or lifestyle changes or just stuff you learn. It's definitely put me in a much better place. It's made me fired up to share what I've learned with other people, which I think is really important with this project you know we're not experts we're just a couple of dudes who've been through some hard stuff and and we've learned some stuff and and we're going to put that out to the world and if somebody if it resonates with a couple of people then that's great and if it doesn't we've had a nice chat and we we feel
1: better about ourselves right (laughs) definitely no i think it's you know if i have one conversation with one person and it's never going to solve their problems but it makes it easier for them to take the next step or reduces the pressure that they feel under it that's probably self-imposed if i have one conversation you know it's worth it you know because the consequences can be can be severe consequences can be life-changing and uh, and worse so let's not let's be serious about it and let's have those conversations
0: yeah so, in I guess in wrapping this up, is there anything that we haven't covered that you're that you want to mention or get off your chest?
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I could murder a bottle of wine, but that's um, <laughs> it's one of the, one of the things that's changed. That maybe that come maybe that comes back, you know. It's a bit of a journey and a bit of a process and uh, you know I've learned a lot from from speaking this evening I've learned a lot from you from speaking this evening so you know it just goes to show that even two self-confessed non-experts can help each other a lot yeah so yeah, yeah.
0: totally agree what should we what should we call this podcast I thought we could call it the dog cast
1: <laughs> <laughs> the black dog cast <laughs> yeah that's good i like that if i come up if i think of something i should let you know i think yeah. that's good let me the know dog we'll ca- let- the, the dog cast and are people aware of people are obviously familiar with that with the concept of of the black of black dog and and the bad day you know the bad day and you know as we've mentioned some people just don't know what a bad day is they just don't understand what's that what is a bad day but uh for everyone else who's learning the hard way what a bad day is you know that's that's the black dog and um you know you can just reason with the dog and chat to the dog stroke the dog (laughs) i don't know but the dog's the dog's there and um don't worry about it there's help there's help at hand yeah and i think it's
0: important to when you say bad day i mean we don't we're not just talking about people that have got depression or something that's labelled with a something like that. This this could just be you literally you are having a bad day. And I think a lot of the things that, you know, we talked about or other whatever, you know, lifestyle or behavioral things that you can do, whether it's, you know, yoga or diet or exercise or meditation, whatever works for you, they help whether you've been labeled as having depression or if you're just having a bad day, right?
1: Yeah, I think there's a there's a point, there's a line you cross between knowing you've got a problem, like, yeah, you're overweight, or yeah, you're pretty sure you've got a drink problem. And this is what you need to do about it, but you choose not to. Or you choose to do something about it, and there's a line at which I think you cross where it's it's out of control. You're not maybe other people can see that it's not right, but it's not because you're eating too much or you're drinking too much or or whatever it is or you haven't exercised enough. And there can be more to it. And um, you know, I would happily sort of help and talk to anybody listen to anybody who had any of those issues and also comfortably say to them, well, have you thought that maybe there's other stuff going on? And not be surprised when two weeks later, yeah, more stuff's happened. So um, yeah, it's not just the lifestyle choice and it's not just the lifestyle issue. It's It's something that's a little bit out of control. And like you say, it can be, it can be part of your makeup and part of your chemical makeup, or it can be the scaffolding that you put up or falls down around you, particularly while COVID's going on. Yeah, we haven't even got into COVID. I guess we could spend a whole another couple of hours
0: talking about the impact that COVID has on all of this. I guess it's just making it worse, right? That's the the main takeaway It's making it worse and it makes it even more important to talk to people and check in and see if, see if they're doing all right.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I also think it makes it, some of us many of us have more time on our hands, um, because there isn't the commute or there isn't the the pressure to be out doing bits and pieces, whatever it is. And I think, you know, using that time to learn about some of these holistic I mean, hell, I've even tried um high intensity hit workouts, right? I mean, the worst thing in the world, but hey straight afterwards, I feel awesome. What's that about? <laughs> so, you know, I think it's I think it's almost a bit of a sort of carte blanche to give a few things a try. And a few things that you wouldn't necessarily have done previously, you know, in day to day, everyday life. So um, I think that I think there are opportunities. But obviously we've got to stay safe and uh, you know, keep trying to keep up with our friends and family. Yeah. Wise words. Okay, I think your Sunday roast
0: is gonna be uh it's gonna be ready in a minute. I just wanna say thank you for talking about this and being so open we've anonymized it we haven't even talked about why we've anonymized it but you know there are some reasons behind that To um because of your your job that you do now but i think it's been awesome you know we've you've shared some some really interesting
1: and vulnerable stuff and um yeah well done thank you i've really really enjoyed it and uh yeah let's keep talking Okay, mate. Cheers. Cheers.
0: So that's it for this episode of the Black Dog Cast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please leave us a review or rating or share the podcast with your mates. To find out more about the Black Dog Project, you can look us up on the web or Instagram at blackdog.bike.